We are starting a series last, we did start a series last week called God's Promises, and this week is week two in it. Last week we talked about the miracle of salvation, and uh, I believe it is the greatest miracle that can happen in our lives. I mean, I'm getting the chance to see a lot of cool stuff, but there's nothing more glorious uh, than the miracle of God's, of Christ's salvation in our life when he takes a sinner and washes their soul um, what a miracle that he would call us sons and daughters of God, right? And, uh, and the fact that we have been given uh, welcoming into his eternal kingdom is glorious. Anyways, this week, we are going to dive into uh, another promise that the Lord has. And um, this is a tough one. And it's tough on our end, mostly, because of uh, how difficult it may be uh, to lean into. Uh, let's check this out. If you can, if you have uh, your Bibles... We're going to Exodus chapter 3 today, Exodus chapter 3, and uh, I'll be reading in verse 7, and uh, if would you all do me a favor, would you just stand to your feet so we can read God's word together? I like doing this, this is like a new thing that I just, I'm really into, I think, I think this is going to be a tradition. Hey, verse 7 says this, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of my people Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians have abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would help. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was reading that, even this morning, I was hearing where Jesus walked in and declared uh, in the temple, uh, Luke's gospel, uh, where Isaiah prophesied long ago when Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has appointed me to, you know, to, to proclaim liberty to the captives. I really felt that today um, for you, uh, that, I would, uh, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me today. To proclaim liberty for you. And uh, what's really funny is uh, this liberty that we're talking about is kind of um, invisible. What I've come to learn is that there is a promise that the Lord has for all of you. Let me just make sure that we say this together because we can miss everything if we don't get this. God has a promise for me. Can you say that? God has a promise for me. Can you say it again? I hope you believe it. I hope you get it deep down inside of you. As I was combing through the scripture, the Lord always wanted God to live with his people. Even in the Garden of Eden, it was the Lord's desire to walk with his people, that the land would be theirs. They would, they would govern this land. It was, it was always designed to be them, and he would walk with them in this land. And he designed, he said it's not good for man to be alone, and so he made him, Adam, a helper. And his desire was that they would be fruitful and multiply and fill this land. He wanted them to possess land. 
As I'm looking forward throughout scripture in Genesis, we would see that God would promise land to Abraham. And then he would promise him children. And then he would promise land to Jacob. And then he would promise land to Isaac. And it's almost like I see him again and again promising land to his people. This isn't about land. But in the land that the Lord designed you to have, it wasn't necessarily property, although he was referring to property. It was the concept of blessing. It was the concept of like you having something where you knew that you were rich and you could actually enjoy it. The Lord isn't trying to give you something that's actually condemning you and and making you just run down into the mud. Like he's healing you through and through and he wants you to know how rich and wealthy and blessed you are. He designed you to possess the land and enjoy it. Now, all of this uh, it would be a, f- a foreshadowing of w- the promise that he has given to us through salvation. The land ultimately that we're going to have with him is in heaven, right? But I, 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 that was we talked about last week that the blessing of salvation, but I want you to know that there is a land, there is a time, there is a blessing that he wants you to have right now. And as we're reading this promise that he gave to the Israelites, I I just remember back in my own life how much the promised land meant to the Israelites and really what that meant to me as a believer pursuing God's purpose for my life. I hope that you are pursuing God's purpose for your life and that you're not settling yourself short of anything less than God's best for you. And he does have something glorious designed for you And uh, today, I'm coming for the strongholds that would cause you to believe that God is not capable of giving you that which what he died for you to possess. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord, I believe, is upon me for that very reason today. Come on. Okay, cool. So, uh, what is crazy to me about this story in Exodus um, is the process of receiving this promise. Please understand the Lord said, hey, I have something good for you, but that doesn't mean you get it today. What you will have today, if you call on it, is relationship with Jesus. But the promise is going to be, is going to come with a process. And I see it in this journey that the Lord would do with the Israelites and this journey that he's done in me and the journey that I see when I sit with other believers waiting and calling and professing and pursuing the, this, this call of God on their life. And I'm dying for you to have it. No, Jesus actually died for you to have it. Uh, and so here we go. Uh, in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 8, it's actually a dinner that the Israelites would have every year called Passover. And at this Passover, they would read these verses about these four special promises. And it would say, therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will free you from the oppression and I will rescue you from, uh, from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and with great acts of judgment. Uh, and then he, he says, 
that I will claim you as my own people. I will be your God and you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from the oppression in Egypt. Verse 9, uh, I will bring you into the land that I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for your very own possession. I am the Lord. And I want you to know that the, 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 the design, the Lord wants you to know how powerful he is. He wants you to know how good he is. He wants you to know how much he loves you. And he does want to bless you in your life. But this is a process. And in these four promises, he would first, he wanted the Israelites to know first that I will save you. The next thing I want you to know is that I will deliver you. And that's what I want to talk about for a second is this, I will save you, I will deliver you. What does that really look like? I think the process of salvation is difficult because of the process of deliverance in us. This is about to get good. I, um, I think what we struggle with is believing that we've been freed. So Christ redeems us and we confess that Jesus is Lord and that he's, he's, he's won my heart and he's the king of my soul and we enter into relationship with him and we now are supposed to understand that he is the king of kings. But somewhere on this journey, we have learned from our past mistakes and failures and we remain a prisoner and we settle and compromise for less than what God designed for us. And we see this in the journey of the people uh, of Israel as they're wandering around the promised land for 40 years. Uh, I thought that was significant as I was practicing yesterday, uh, this sermon, because I turned 40 years old yesterday, you know? And I'm like, Lord, I hope that this means it's time, man. I'm coming in. Let's go. Yes. All right. I'm sorry for being corny. Um, but um, I'm coming in, Lord. And, uh, but I, I realized that, you know, how they train elephants to be in the circus is when they're babies, they put this ball and chain around their legs. You've heard this story. And they s hammer this spike into the ground. And a little baby elephant, he just feels stuck. And as the elephant matures, they find bigger chains. But as that elephant gets big, it ain't nothing going to hold back that stinking elephant. You can train it to a big rig, and it will drag that thing wherever it wants to go. But somehow, the mentality of slavery has stuck with that elephant. And I think what happens in believers is the mentality of slavery sticks with us, and it convinces us to settle for less than what God designed for you. And I just want you to know you're a son and daughter of the King of Kings. You shouldn't settle for anything. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, now, now see, so we see where we're going now. All right. So I'm going to read this verse to you because I believe in the New Testament they would try to explain this concept of deliverance really clearly. I'm going to I'm going to pray it over you. For though we this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, hold on. I just want to make sure before we go any further, some of us don't see these strongholds, and we just think that life is happening. 
But we live in a spiritual world and there's things happening in your life. The enemy has strategically set up things from your childhood to play against you. Wounds from from family, from friends, from teenage relationships to combat the identity that God has given you. And we fall victim to it sometimes again and again and again. And it's hard for you to see it. But the people that love you and that are walking with you can see it so clearly when you stepped on that stinking trap again. It's good to have friends in your life that tells you when you're an idiot. (laughs) Maybe it's just good to be married. (laughs) Thanks, babe. Uh, um, Many of us, it's easy for the Lord to get you out of Egypt. It's hard to get Egypt out of you. It's hard for you to get the concept out that you deserve more and he literally gave his life for you to receive an inheritance that you're worth more. I wish that we could that we can lock that in our spirit of what we're worth to him. I'm just going to let that simmer for a second. What you're worth and, I, and I, I want you to know that I, I think that there's something that happens to people that have been in bondage for years. And, and you may have been raised in the church, but make no mistake about it, you and I, we have strongholds that we have to take off by reading God's word. I have to finish that scripture. I didn't finish it. That's so terrible. Demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of the king of kings. We forget who he is. We forget what, who we are. We forget what God's called us to have and possess. And it happens unintentionally in a moment. We just drop our eyes less than where, where we are. Uh, and we take captive every thought and make it obedience to Christ. Uh, I, today, I'm trying to help you take captive some, some stinking thinking um, and get you to understand that we're trying not to just get you out of Egypt, but get Egypt out of you today. That makes sense. So uh, there is this uh, verse in, uh, I, I didn't put it in my, I, my notes, um, but it's, I read it this morning and I wanted to just add it. It's in Psalms 126. And uh, actually, let me read it there because it's bigger print. So I'm kind of 40 years old now, so I get more grace. So I need bigger letters. You know what I mean? Um, Jer- uh, this is uh, pro- uh, Psalms 126. And I like the way this reads. In the new uh, NKJV, it says this. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, when he brought back those that, the children of God that were captive, when he, when he saved us, we were like those who dreamed again. And then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues then with singing. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for us. The Lord has done great things for us, and we were glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. And those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And those who continually go forth weeping shall bear seed for sowing. And what I I love about this is they're not ignorant of the process. he, He lets you know that like, there is freedom coming and you can begin to dream again. Those that have been set free, you begin to say, you know what? I do know that God's going to do something. 
I do believe that something's going to happen. I do believe that this is possible. And what I love about even thinking about the deliverance of the Egyptians is that they didn't deliver themselves. The Lord delivered them. And so you have to know that's the way it's going to happen moving forward. He's going to continue to open up doors for you. So you can't stop believing. Don't stop. Anyone? Mm. You have to continue to believe that he's going to continue to redeem and continue to heal and continue to save and continue to save. But the process is not going to come just instantly because it's going to take years of taking off old thoughts and putting new truths in, taking off old identities and putting new ones on. And this is difficult. Someone said once that the greatest warfares of our time is waiting and being. Learning to be who God's called me to be while I'm waiting to get there is crazy difficult. So anyways, when the Lord brought back those that were captive in Zion, we became like those who dreamed again. And then the Lord filled our, our mouths with laughter and our hearts with singing. I love that. That's how you probably that's probably a good example for you to know whether or not you've been you've been saved. Come on now. I can't stop singing. You can't get me to shut up. He's worthy. So I'm gonna take you somewhere pretty cool. Um, first thing I think I want you to help do in taking off the mentality of being a slave in Egypt is what I find in the Egyptians. All right. The, the first thing I want you to do is this. I, I want you to make sure that you're with the right people on your way out of Egypt. What are you talking about, Pastor Tim? Not everyone you're going with is looking for the same destiny. Not everyone that you're chained up with in life want to get to the same place. They don't have the same goals. But the saying is true. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? And so there are some people you're with that, and I'm telling you, I have friends. And I got to tell you, some of the friends I have, I don't like being around them. Because they've got some stinking thinking. They just say stuff that doesn't come from God's word. And the problem is, if I buy into the things that they say, then pretty soon I'm saying it. And then pretty soon it's directing my life, as James said, because the words that we speak are like a bridle in our mouth. And they direct, just like a horse, the direction of my life. So I got to make sure that the things that I'm saying, and it's just coming from the culture that I'm with. Are we going in the same direction? Let me show you. Right after all the plagues in Egypt, and right after the Lord did what he promised in Exodus chapter 6, that I will save you, he began the process of deliverance. He got them out of Egypt. But now let me show you what happens. As soon as you're free, the devil's going to come knocking on your door. As soon as good things start happening, you start sharing your faith. You start reading your Bible. You start giving. You start telling people about Jesus. You start praying for your destiny. Like once these things start happening, the enemy's going to come. And this is what happened in the Exodus. Let me show you. I'm going to take you there. I think it's in Exodus chapter 10, 14. I'm just kidding. Exodus 14. Brian, I'm just going to have you help me. Yeah, that's awesome. And as Pharaoh approached, they're right on the verge of the Red Sea. The people of Israel looked up and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians were about to overtake them. And they cried out to the Lord. This makes me so mad. And they said to Moses, why? I love that they cried out to the Lord, right? They prayed. They were believers. The very first thing they do is they talk to enter their leader. Don't 
Call your pastor and just start complaining. Tell me something good for once. Please help me. Maybe that wasn't supposed to come out, but y'all needed to hear it. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Now, we can act like we don't talk like this, but I have met many of us. And we have our moments where, oh, woe is me, and everything is terrible, and it's never going to get fixed, and everything is broken, and dear God. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us back in Egypt? What have you done for us? Why did you make us even leave Egypt? He said, didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone and let us just be slaves to the Egyptians. What is happening? It's better for us to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. And then the Egyptians, you, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Jesus said, rebuke the devil and he will flee. We saw Jesus literally practice this. But I'm telling you, we have these moments where we, we, we will look at our spouse or we'll look at a situation we're in and we just define the situation as if God is not capable but they just saw plague after plague after plague after plague. And how many miracles do we need to see God do before we'll decide that we are his and we're just going to believe that he is who he said he is and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And furthermore, I am who he says I am and I'm going to do what he said that I'm supposed to do. But instead, when it's hard, we'd rather just quit. I'd rather just go back. I'd rather just, I, Lord, just get me out of here. This is too difficult. Well, then let me just tell you something. Things, anything worth having is worth paying a price for. There's a reason why cheap things are cheap. It's the promised land. He's saying that it's going to flow with milk and honey. If it's good, it's going to cost you something. And it's worth Paying that price. Amen? Amen? Make sure that you're with people that are going in the same direction. And when I look at this, I just think to myself, how many people in my life are telling me not to give up on the promise that God has for my life? And I, I want you to know as your pastor, I get just emotional as y'all. I need y'all to tell me that God's going to do greater things in our church than we've seen yet. Just like I need to tell you that God's going to do greater things in your marriage or in your family or in your finances or in your dog. Like, I don't care what it is. I want to see God do it in your life. Is, is he the God of the impossible? Then let's set our hearts there and nothing else. All right. If the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. John 8, 36. And I just think about that, how difficult it is to get the, the concept of slavery out of us. 
I'll talk a little more about that. The second thing I want you to know in the concept of, 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 of making sure that you have a promise and, and, and that it's coming, but it, it, there is a process to the promise that God has for your life, is point number two, uh, please don't rush the process. Uh, now, remember, the first one is make sure you got the right people with you. Two, don't, don't rush this. It makes me think of, um, of, uh, of food, like, like cooking a brisket. You know what I mean? You, you, you can have a brisket, but you slow cook that thing. It's, good. it's like Thanksgiving. Let's just take it slow. It's going to be good. It's gonna, the house going to smell like a glorious turkey. It's going to be wonderful. Slow cook it. I swear, one year, babe, remember when we first got married and we had our young adults group? I promise. There are such things as microwavable turkeys. How fun does that sound? But yet we sign up for that. We'll buy into it. Like, if, 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 how can I get the quickest healing possible? That's the one I want. It's called ibuprofen. It's called Tylenol. It ain't fixing anything. It's just masking the problem. You still are jacked up. You just, don't, you just can't tell. We can all tell. We all know you got issues. You've just bought into the concept that, but like these wounds and these hurts, they got to get dealt with. If the bone's got to be rebroken, it's going to hurt. It's going to be a process, but take your time. Thought of a cool story I thought I'd share with you. Uh, 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 there's this dude in the NBA. Uh, he's one of the greatest uh, three-point shooters in history. His name is Clay Thompson. And it was about four years ago. Dates are a little fuzzy. He, uh, he got injured in one of the NBA finals. And he tore his, his uh, ACL uh, during the, the finals. It was awful. Instantly it happened. Everyone felt bad. Because the guy is a good... There's some NBA players, you could tell, that's the bad guy. You know, I don't even like the team he plays on. But he's a good dude. And I felt bad for him. And so it's not like when a cowboy uh, player gets hurt. You know, we just... That's okay. I got jokes. I got jokes. I got jokes. I got jokes. So anyways, this guy tore his ACL and, uh, and he got hurt. And uh, what happened is a quote from him, physical quote. Listen to this. He said, um, after tearing my ACL, I rushed my healing and that resulted in me tearing my Achilles heel. He ended up missing 941 games. That's brutal. Because what happens is when you get hurt or you get an injury in any arena of your life, in your marriage or whatever, just because you got out of this relationship doesn't mean you're ready for a new one. Just because you were great in a ministry before doesn't mean you start off right now. Take your time. Because he had an injury in his life, he overcompensated with a different part of his leg and it ended up injuring another part of his leg. And what happens is these hurts from our past where someone lied to us, where they hurt us, where they shortcutted us, we look for shortcuts and it ends up doing more damage. What does it look like to actually find the healing that we need? I can tell you that the God of eternity is not worried about your time schedule. So like we think like, but if we, all right, I'll wait, Lord, I'll wait on you. We have this, you know, we'll sing a song called, I'll I'll wait on the Lord, you know. And then when we're done, we felt like that was it. Or we'll give it a week or a month. 
or a year. God made a promise to you. And what's crazy is if you're not willing to listen, you may not see it. It may not be Abraham. He may have to wait to give it to Isaac or to Jacob or the next generation. He promised you. He's going to give it to someone. Lord, I want to learn my lessons as quickly as I can. Be as patient as I can and truly just surrender. I'll just go where if you tell me to wait, I'll wait. Took these guys 40 years to figure it out. Theologians will tell you, they walked around the promised land again and again and again for 40 years before they could figure out how to get in. And the reality is, he didn't show them how to take the promised land. He gave it to them. He, they, they obeyed him, and the walls came tumbling down, you know? Uh, and I just want you to know, like, in your life, he's the one that's going to heal. He's the one that's going to mend. He's the one that's going to redeem. He's the one that's going to cleanse. He's the one that's going to give you a new identity and a new culture. And he, He's the one that's going to give you the promotion. He's the one that's going to give you the ability. Lean into him. Like, the idea of, like, what he's telling most of us is, like, I want you to come away with me and pray. When you push that stuff off, I just want you to know, you're pushing all the promises off. Because there's nothing that he's going to give you that's better than him. Yes. Amen. So when we miss the forest through the trees, like, this is bad. What he wants is you and him. It wasn't about the land in Eden. It was about the fact that in Eden, we got to walk with God. Amen. And when that's boring... You're going to wait a little longer. And when you rush the process, it does more damage. Y'all still like me? I know that we got you out of Egypt, but now how do we get Egypt out of you? Here's the third thought that I had. There's, I, can, I actually wrote down like 17 thoughts that I thought were cool. And then I was like, this is going to be a long sermon, y'all. And so I just had to get them. That's Brian. I gave him a list and I was like, you know what? That ain't going to work. I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to reduce this. Here's the third one. Um, you can trust the Lord. That's simple. Give me another one. I don't know if there is anything simpler I don't, I don't know if there's a better answer. I know that oftentimes when the Lord tells me the answer for what I'm looking for, I want a different answer. Yeah. Maybe I'm the only one that has had a relationship with the Lord here. But it's frustrating sometimes. But I realized he's the potter and I'm the clay. And I'm just going to have to trust that he will work all things out for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Trust is part of any healthy relationship. When trust is broken, what do you got? You got broken promises, I can tell you that. So what are some of the things that I think you're looking for? I think some of you are looking for a new house. I want you to know that God has a promise for you. Oftentimes in scripture, it literally is land. And I want you to know you can trust the Lord. For some of you, it's marriage. You're literally looking that God would bring a significant other into your life. And I want you to know, you can trust the Lord. I've seen people rush that process. And there are many people in this room that would raise their hand and love to give you a glorious sermon about how wonderful it is when you don't do that. 
Can I get an amen from someone here? Children, the call of God on your life. I want you to know that there is a calling on your life. And there's probably not many things that's more important for you to pursue and believe in. But I think oftentimes, based on our Egypt, we find a reason to settle for like less. Like, I know, Lord, you said that there was a land with milk and honey that was coming. I'll settle for this little part of the desert. Like, you know, it's not that bad. Like, it's pretty good. There's a rock and there's water that comes out of it every day. It's pretty good. Like, this is, this is cozy. That's not what he promised. And so what did God promise? I remember the first time that I was, I was pursuing the Lord and I got my first prophecy. And it was like someone told me for the first time that I could dream. For me, I lived in one town and I was perfectly okay with that one town and all the strongholds that came with that thinking of that town. And someone came over to me and said, look to the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I will work a, a work in your life which you wouldn't believe if you were told. And I thought to myself for the first time, wait a second, I can dream for the nations? You mean that's on the table? You mean there's something bigger than my town? Hmm. So as I was saying all these things, I was thinking, what, is a, what does a prisoner mentality sound like? A prisoner mentality sounds like this. I can never be debt free. That's crap. I just got to call it what it is. I, I could, I, my spouse will never be godly. That sounds like what the enemy would say. It doesn't sound like what the Lord is speaking. And so you just got to be careful what you're buying into. My children will never serve the Lord. Or my calling will never be that great. And I just want you to know like the concept of a disciple maker like our heart, our, our church is about making disciples. That's why we exist. Here's the heart of Jesus. Jesus' hope was that his disciples would do greater things than him. So like, I really do believe that like, I'm trying to say this with humility. I do believe I'm great. I do believe I love people great. I do believe that God's spirit comes on me in a great way. But I believe that if I'm really great, you'll be better. So when you look at someone and you say, I don't want you to covet someone else's gift, but I want you to look to the gifter and say, God, I want you to move in my life like that. There ain't anything wrong with that. You don't want the gifting, you, you, you want the gifter, and now you have a model for what you're going after. Well, God, I can't evangelize like them. That's not from the Lord. The Lord, no, every, you, you have that gift actually, because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Yes. In being delivered from Egypt, let's make sure we're not bringing Egypt with us. Let's take off some mentalities if we want to receive and lay hold of the promise that God has laid for us. Deb, would you come? Three verses I want to read to you just quickly. I'm just going to say them. If the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. 
And if the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the afflicted and he has sent me to bind up the broken hearts and proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom for the prisoners. And the last, I love this, in Galatians chapter five. Uh, Brian, uh, thank you. So Christ has truly set us free and now make sure that you stay free and you don't get tied up into slavery again. I'm good right there, bud. Make sure that you don't get, if Christ has set you free, then be free. If Christ has set you free, then be free. If you've been transformed, then be then transformed. And I just have to make sure that you know that God does have a plan and a purpose and he does have a promise for you and he does have a land and a territory and a gifting and a calling and an assignment for you to possess. And I believe it's my job as your pastor to make sure that you don't lose sight of that. Stay in the word. Allow the word to transform your mind the way it's called to transform mine. But I want what God has for me. Wasn't it Jeremiah that said, for I know the plans that I have for you, who declares the Lord. It's a plan to prosper you, a plan to give you a hope and a future. I don't think it's a land. I think it's a, it's a place. It's a place of being with God, understanding that he freely just wants to overwhelm us with his goodness. He has good things designed for us, and sometimes we just have to let go in order to lay hold of them.